Hi everyone, welcome to episode four of Unhappy Not Ill. Remember, it's a podcast that my wife and I have done. I'm Esty. I'm Vanessa. And today we're going to be going into the career phase of Vanessa's life. I think a really, really critical one to help build the shape of what you guys are going to be taking out of this podcast. Right then, Nettie, what have you got to say about your career? So I started life as a lawyer. Yeah. Um, so I left university. We talked about that in the, the last episode. Um, and I started my training contract in Birmingham uh, with a global law firm. Um, and it was a really, really good law firm. So I had a very, very fortunate uh, two years as a trainee. I stayed with that particular law firm. I think it was three or four years. I, I, I think it was probably about four yeah. um but it it was an amazing training but I was still plagued with depression yeah um and that started to manifest in my third year again so I'd qualified I can I just take a moment here because like sorry I feel like we just need to appreciate the fact that you've gotten so far you've basically smashed school got a university degree finished your LPC now sitting in law like despite having this massive underlying issue in the background, you you must, you, I mean, I know this because I'm your wife, but you've got insane intelligence, drive and cleverness to get even get you to this place. Like, I just cannot get over that. Well, I definitely think I've got a huge amount of tenacity. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and, you know, just always driven by not wanting to fail. So, um, and, you know, go back to the age gap. Back in the 1990s, which is when this happened, you didn't pick up Instagram and there'd be lots of things about your mental health. Nothing. Like, it wasn't talked about. It was not cool. So it actually, as we were coming into this episode, it reminded me of my second year at uni when I was doing my admit, um, applications for law. And lots of people around me were, you know, literally applying it was very as it probably is now it was very competitive field yeah. so there would be people writing hundreds of applications to get legal training contracts and I just took the few I've always thought less is more so I did 20 um and I got offered three I think training contracts on the back of 20 and I know people that did hundreds and didn't get anything Gosh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. um but one business I went to in London um it was Norton Rose. I remember I'd put on my CV, I'd covered up the fact that I didn't, that I had some time off because I'd been depressed. Oh gosh, okay. And it, it was just making me uh, smile, sadly, but smile because I got selected, but then they picked up this error. No, it wasn't an error. I deliberately missed out the the gap because I didn't want them to know that I'd had this mental health issue because it definitely wasn't cool yeah, in those yeah, days. Fair, yeah. And sorry, guys, I don't mean it's cool, but it wasn't spoken about. It wasn't a thing and it definitely didn't indicate somebody that you would employ. And that was the reality, particularly in law. So I didn't get, they literally pulled me in and accused me of being dishonest and told mm. me that obviously they weren't going to progress with me because I'd been dishonest. Um, and that would have been, I probably wouldn't have taken their training contract anyway, but that happened to me. 
But the question is, why did that happen to me? Because anybody that knows me knows I'm not a liar. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm the opposite of a liar. And it's got me into a lot of trouble in my life because I just can't help but tell the truth. However, on that occasion, I didn't feel that it was right to tell the truth. And I lost an opportunity because of it. So, you know, yes, I did really well, but I didn't really feel I had a choice but to do really well because there was nowhere for me to go other than failing. Um, And it wasn't okay to take time. You know, you didn't have, I mean, the youngsters these days, they are more inclined to take five years out of their life to experience life. But you didn't do that back then and you know going into railing was the highlight of your time off it was very unusual to take years off uh, because it was a gap in your career and it wasn't justified and I was on I was on that gravy train so it it absolutely yeah I mean of course I was very resilient and tenacious and hugely capable because I was functioning I think at one point a doctor told me my brain was probably functioning at 70% capacity um, because of the depression and the medication so I was functioning at a high level with limited resources, abilities. Um, but, you know, still set on being a lawyer, um, did my training contract. Love the way you just said that. Still um, set on being a lawyer. <laughs> nothing, would, nothing would sway me. Nudge you. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I got this training contract and I did really, really well in, um, in that training contract. So in the sense that there was, at the time I did my legal training, it was just about the time employment law had started to be a thing. Yeah. Um, and I worked at um, Eversheds and they had an employment department in, um, in the Birmingham office and we had 40 fee earners, about 30 to 40 fee earners over the time I What's was there. What's a fee earner? A solicitor. Okay, yeah. People that make the money. <laughs> um, so we had 30 or 40 fee earners who were employment lawyers and that's huge. Okay, that's a massive thing. Yeah, 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 that all of them are, yeah. And it was a really, really cool department is where everybody wanted to be. Now, when you do your training contract or when you did it in those days, you had four seats, so six months each seat. Okay, yeah. So my first seat, I was in property. Um, And you don't get to pick that. They put you into a seat. But then once you're there, you can start to make requests for where you want to go. Um, I never requested to go into employment law because it was so popular I just thought, well, and here's a real sign, isn't it, of my personality. I thought, I don't want to fail, so I'm not going to ask because if I get rejected, I don't think I could cope with that. Oh, my gosh. So that's literally what... There's so much subconscious decision-making here, isn't there? So I was... I didn't pick to do employment law. Um, My second seat, I think... I I didn't think I did. I went into regulatory, which is white-collar crime. Um, And then... In my third seat, I asked to go into corporate and I got that came out the day of selection. I got into employment and I was like, I went to the HR director then. He was a really great guy and he absolutely loved me. And just for the purpose of the audience, I went into Eversheds as a heterosexual, engaged young woman. Of course. Um, because that, that was how they'd recruited me. Um, and literally, I got the, the the listings came out and it said I was in employment. So I went to Michael, I can't remember his surname, but his name was Michael, and said, Michael, I don't I think there's a mistake here because I've asked to go into corporate and I'm in employment. And he said, There's no mistake. 
the head of department has requested you do that seat. And I was like, right, okay, well, I haven't selected it. And he's like, the only advice I can give you, Vanessa, is don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <sighs> so, you know, I did a seat in employment. And then in my, and I loved it and I did really well. And the head of department who was definitely um, a particular taste, he saw something in me, which I pretty damn sure a lot of the other people in Evershares didn't see, but he really embraced my personality. Nice. Yeah. Um, so after doing that seat, I kind of decided I wanted to do employment, um, but I did then want to do a corporate seat. So applied again to do my fourth seat, was always going to apply to do employment. Um, I was put again into an employment seat. So I rang up Michael again. <laughs> Don't really understand. I've asked to do corporate. Martin wants you to stay in employment. So that was as good as saying you were going to get a job. Yeah, nice. Okay, because that's yeah. what happens at the end of those four seats. So, of course, I did my second seat in employment and I was still thriving in it um, and then subsequently got a job in the employment department. Um, Can I just do a quick depressometer check here? How are you feeling? How you, were you feeling at this point? Okay. Um, I, I think... You know, I was having a lot of fun. We did, um, it was really great. Ever what shared. helped? I guess I was like starting to discover myself. You know, I had a flat. Um, I was, you know, having a life in the city. Um, there were loads of activities at Eversheds for the trainees. I mean, there were, I think there were about combined, about 30 trainees in the intake. So, and you used to go out all the time and there'd be social events. And so I was having fun. Yeah. If you like. Um, and then... What happened was I qualified, was still doing okay. I can't remember how often I had depression, but I think it was at bay. But then one night um, we went to an opening of a client's um, venue. And when I came out to go home, I got beaten up. And I was assaulted quite badly. Um, long story short, I got post-traumatic stress slash reared the depression um and it just got a bit messy really why did you get that. beat up well i don't know why does anyone get beaten up i mean there was no reason like what happened what triggered it so i i well i left the the venue went to get a taxi and it was a new it was all a very new um venue yeah. and everything was new there was like a, a fleet of taxis and i just went to get into a taxi and there were these three girls and they just um came up to me and said that's our fucking taxi and I, being me, went, well, there, there's like a hundred taxes. Like, yeah. you know, there's Don't no stress. big deal. Yeah. And that was it. They just beat me up. Um, so they were just looking for a fight. You know, I was there in a suit, just come out of this swanky yeah. venue. Um, yeah, okay. You know. So so anyway, that led to a relapse in my health. Oh. And, it, you know, also at that time, I was exploring my sexuality quite actively. So... Things were getting a bit wild. You know, I was going through my adolescence at 23, 24. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just, it all came out again in my mental health. So probably about my third year into Eversheds, I started to, um, I had to take some time off. Um, that went down like a shit sandwich, um, really, if they're honest. And I doubt they would be honest. Um, but yeah, so that didn't go down very well. Anyway, long and short of it was I was still on that lawyer train and um, we parted ways probably around year four um, and I took a job in a different law firm in Leicester, actually. 
my mental health then, the only way I can describe it, it was still there affecting me, but I was still working around it and still performing and still shining. Um, but needless to say, when I started to display those um, signs at Evershed, Eversheds, I became less popular. Um, that's the only way I can say it. Um, and, you know, and when you start feeling less, and it, and it probably was the first environment that I felt really quite good in. Yeah, yeah. But the minute my mental health came out, whether it was because of my mental health or whether it was the reality, I didn't feel as comfortable. Yeah. And I'm pretty damn sure anybody listening to this podcast will be able to draw on a time if they suffer with mental health issues where they feel the same way when they're at work because it is tough. And and at this point you've you've suffered with this for a long period of time, comfortably 10 years. Yeah. Any any other intervention happen at this point or No, I'm still just I'm still just flags? On, No, I mean basically my career in You're law You're just cracking on. Yeah, the career in law was just always about earning more money and climbing I mean actually I didn't really want to be a partner. That wasn't my ambition. Um, so where are you a partner? I became a partner before I... Um, left Evershed? No, no, no. So I left, I worked in several legal practices, but I became a partner, I think I was about 40 when I became a partner. Okay, right. I can't, well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, but ultimately my legal career ended in partnership, yes. Yeah. Um, and that was with all these um, ill health due to my mental health uh, challenges. And they were challenges. And interestingly, through my career in law, and I was very much in Birmingham, you know, it was definitely out on the grapevine of the legal market that Vanessa, you know, suffered with depression. I mean, in one of my practices, I was actually directly asked the question, um, and this was post-legislation. So it it was when, in theory, you couldn't really say stuff about it, but but it it, it was spoken about. Like it was known. Yeah, it was. And, you yeah. know, regardless of any documents you sign it still wasn't the greatest, you wouldn't put it on your CV. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, another thing. I don't think this, you do it today either, though. Well, I'm more inclined to do it now because I think I have to because I need people to understand that it's, a you know, you can only, you have to role model what you believe in. And I believe that, you know, where people do have mental health challenges, you know, they have to be, they have to take ownership for them, but they do also need to be able to feel that they can they're not going to be, be treated differently because of them so yeah yeah you know and we we can kind of come on to that and how over the years of my career there's always been whisperings about oh just you know don't say too much about suffering with depression oh you know people my clients might not like it people might not like it I mean that is the type of shit people say and still say absolutely yeah 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 um so you moved to this company in Leicester yeah so I mean look cantering up a little bit I moved to a company in Leicester I did 12 months there did really well but didn't like Leicester very much ended up back in Birmingham where I worked with um, a firm called Mills and Reeve they were amazing they were a healthcare law firm and they were only ever like gold star in terms of how they behaved when I did have ex moments of depression which I did um, and how they looked after me um, but I still battled I still struggled um, fundamentally like the whole routine of going to work every day and like recording every six minutes of my time was destroying me. But I only knew that I was, I was a lawyer and people used to tell me I was good at it. And, you know, 
I guess I was good at it. I mean, I, I became a partner in the end, so I, I must have had something. So when you're good at it, it's really hard and counterintuitive to think it's wrong for you. Um, so I was always popular with clients. I was always popular with the teams. I was probably less popular with the people that run the businesses because I was quite challenging. And I don't mean in terms of my mental health, as in I wasn't really a natural conformist. I'd been trained to be a conformist, but as I got older, I became less conformist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I kind of went through various law firms. I, I know you had a relationship at this point as well that was quite important to you. Yeah, I mean, I when I was sort of 23, 24, I met my first um my first love, that's really hard to say in front of my wife, isn't it? But she knows this. <laughs> Don't you worry, petal oh, face. Yeah. <laughs> so I met my first love. Um, so, and, and um, you know, that was quite significant. That was eight years of trauma, really. Sorry, Tina, but it was. Um, <laughs> it was it, it was on many levels enlightening and awakening, but on other levels it, it kind of didn't help with my mental health. Um, but I think we talk about that. We'll talk about that. I'll save that yeah. for another day. Um, but going back to the career, you know, in and around my mid-30s, I took a a bit of a change in law. So I only, when I look back now, I only really stayed anywhere I worked for anything from two up to five years. And there are reasons for that to do with just the way I'm made up as a person. Um, you know, so again, if you were to like forget what society says we should be doing in terms of our career... I've always been a little bit cutting edge and gone, no, I want to go where the experiences lie, not what looks good on my CV or the opportunities. But also there was a little bit about health because in every single um, place I worked except Leicester, I did have a mental health issue. So I did have a relapse at some point in... In that two to five in years. That, yeah. yeah. And once I had showed up with that issue, I didn't feel I could stay there. And that's that's the that's the reality, um, you know. And again, I weaved that to my advantage. So it would be I'd always find a better job, and I was always bloody brilliant in interviews. Um, but as soon as I had a moment of what I consider to be weakness or vulnerability, as it's now famously and mm. um, you know referred to, I would have to move out of there because I didn't want people to Don't see you. that. Yeah. Because it was not the done thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I didn't stay anywhere long. But in my mid-30s, um, I, I, I was working in a startup. Well, it wasn't a startup. It was a startup in Birmingham. It wasn't a startup law firm. And I got this great opportunity to head the employment department of um, a law firm that was opening in Birmingham. And I just went there with bags of enthusiasm and drive um, and, you know, turned it into a really good little business for employment. But then I was bored. It was about 2008, seven or eight, when there was the economic crash. And although I was doing really well in the startup um, employment department, I was just thinking, I don't know if I can continue to do this. So it was about 2007, eight, that I just thought, you know what? I'm not sure I'm enjoying this anymore. I want something different. So, and, and as if the universe was answering, I got like a call out the blue from a headhunter um, looking for people to go into industry, to a head of legal role. And I didn't think I'd get it because it was quite outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, so I, I went for that interview and I got that job. And um, 
I went into industry to FMCG. And I Just was, for the audience, what does FMCG stand for? Fast moving consumer goods. Okay. So pretty much the opposite of law. Um, <laughs> yeah. And slow moving consumer goods might be a better description of law. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we went into FMCG. I went into FMCG and I was offered the role of head of legal. Um, and basically after a year, I got the opportunity to move into HR and I grabbed it with both hands. So I then ended up dual qualifying into HR and spent sort of overall about eight or nine years in HR in fast moving consumer goods, albeit that I did change um, companies. Companies, yeah. yeah. So I moved from law to HR and people and definitely, undoubtedly, that was more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, it played more to my strengths. I still, during one of those um, roles, suffered with mental health challenges. Um, it was less frowned upon in those industries, but it still impacted yeah. me yeah, and yeah, people's yeah. perception of me. Um, so, yeah, I, I took the leap from law to HR. And um, after my first FMCG role, I did go back into law and that's when I became a partner. Um, Got you. But just didn't love it. And it was at that point, mid-30s, that I was starting to understand that perhaps the problem was more than just an illness. It was more about, well, I don't really think I like this. And I was starting to join the dots. Mm. That, and, and it was a really, really hard conversation to have with myself. It was really hard to read the signs because the signs were literally undoing my whole life's work. So give us an example. Well, you know, being a lawyer, wanting to be a lawyer, committing to being do, doing law, it's 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 a big thing, okay? Yeah. It's a, it's a it's an industry that is very um hard to get into, excel in, um and be uh, you know, and to do really well in. So I'd built my whole life, remember, from about 9 or 10 in the idea that I was going to do law. Yeah. So the signs that I was getting that made me think, yeah, okay, I'm unhappy or this isn't right, I didn't want to hear them. I absolutely didn't want to hear them because who wants to hear that? You know, it's like training for a marathon, putting in, well, not even training for a marathon because it was a life marathon, but, yeah. you know, training for a marathon, doing all the training and the last day saying, actually, I don't want to do it. I mean, even if people do that, I imagine most people carry on and do the marathon because they've done the training. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of like that for me. Yeah. But... I was starting to explore different opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then when I did move out of law, um, I didn't miss it. Um, and, and then when I went back into law, I wanted to get back out of it. Fascinating, isn't it? Like you basically planned this whole master plan since the age of nine. And then you realise that you don't miss it. <laughs> yeah. Know, that must be such yeah. a significant well, it, it, shift it, it, in it your mind. It is weird, but it's also weird because everybody else tells you what you can't do. So it was always like, oh, you know, you're a really good lawyer, you need to do that, great career, secure, always earn a good wage. Um, you'd be crazy to give that up. I mean, literally, when I got my job um, in my first industry role, people actually told me I would be crazy, A, to go and work for this particular business, but B, to leave law. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, 
like I don't think many people would be that dis- there will be loads of people out there now who are doing jobs that you know what maybe they're really bloody good at them but they don't want to do them and they don't want to do them not because they want to sit at home and watch Netflix because it's just not their passion absolutely yeah and that's kind of what I was discovering so in my career it was so hard because I'd done so much to get what other people again would dream of oh wow you're a solicitor that's really amazing oh wow you've got job after job promotion after promotion higher salary after higher salary and then to turn around and go yeah but I don't like it it's tough yeah um and then that's really quite significant isn't yeah it? so and the underlying sort of music playing in me was I was depressed so having hard conversations with yourself are difficult when you're not depressed but when you're depressed they're almost impossible. Gosh, I think that's some pretty big words there, Vanessa. And look, we're reaching the end of this episode. What would you give our listeners to take away from the session today? It's all about signs again, isn't it? Like we think we know what we're doing in life. We think we know what we want to do. But I think it's about really unpicking what you want to do. Because we are like a sponge and we absorb everybody's like water in life and then suddenly it's in our sponge. So, you know, for me, I had signs. So, of course, I'd I'd started having these mental health and sometimes physical health issues and I was just ignoring them. Over and over and over. Over and over again, yeah. I was ignoring them. I mean, this is the point that I made before, like... Sorry, I wasn't actually ignoring them. I was going to the doctor and hoping that there was a medical reason why I was having these signs. And of course, the doctors never failed to disappoint. They gave me a a medical reason why I was having these signs. So I was then able to go, okay, well, if I put it there and take that tablet, I can crack on with what I believe is my purpose because why wouldn't it be? Because I've been planning it since I was 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that leads me on quite nicely to the action that our listeners can take away from today. You know, Vanessa just mentioned an example where she was using her career and diagnoses and medicine to allow her to crack on with what she think was the right thing to do. Yeah, well, it paid the mortgage, didn't it? It paid for the cars. So what are you hiding? What are you using to hide elements of your life that potentially might be a sign to help you in the future. Great. Have a think about that, guys. Esty Um, loves a good action. Anyone knows (laughs) Esty loves a good takeaway, a good action. I think, uh, you know, guys, this episode has been about Vanessa's career and we've covered kind of 10 years of her life just under there um, and then. The next episode is really going to go into the depth of the mental illness Um, over that time period she went through a lot of diagnoses hospitalization i'm not even going to mention the rest it makes me feel sick um but yeah it's going to be much more in depth about mental illness and therefore please tune into episode number five please share this podcast with anyone you think can benefit from it and follow us on instagram i hope you have a good day guys bye bye